Kush roll, glass full, I prefer the better things Niggas with no money act like money isn't everything I'm having a good time, they just trying to ruin it Shout out to the fact that I'm the youngest nigga doing it Cap on, brim, bend, dance, sell every time She ain't trying to pop that shit for pimp, okay, well never mind I, 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 I tried to told you Drizzy still ain't nothing nice Bracelet saying you should quit, cars saying fuck your life Okay, now we out of here, toodles to you bitches And if you dolled up, I got the voodoo for you bitches Yeah, I'm busy Happy getting Monday. rich welcome back to another episode of Champions of the West Like episode 9 or episode 10, I'm, I'm losing track in the, in the dog days of summer Woo! We have a lot to get to We have NBA Draft We have absolute chaos going on in Russia And that's not just Putin and, uh, and oil money going on and, uh, and, and Sean has some insight onto Michigan recruits that Nick and I have blissfully ignored over the course of the summer. So let's get to it. Sean, it looks beautiful in Chicago. Uh, fill it, since you're the Midwest guy and you've been following the recruiting, what's up in Chicago? Fill us in, man. Yeah, man. When it rains, it pours, right? Not only literally, we got actually more rain this month than any other rain in Chicago history. So any other month? Uh, that has not been great. That being said, on the recruiting uh, recruiting side of things, things are heating up in a big, big way. So we actually landed six recruits in the last three days, uh, two of which that I kind of want to discuss for 30 seconds each would be Mozzie Smith. He is a uh, local guy from uh, East Kentwood, Grand Rapids, defensive tackle, 6'2", 300 pounds. And then Zach Carbonet, uh, a running back from Westlake Village, California. Quickly, kind of touching on both, Mozzie Smith, one of the top three recruits in the state. Uh, the reason why I mention that is because we're actually not doing very well within uh, within the state itself. So the number one overall uh, recruit in the state just committed to Michigan State, Devontae Dobbs. Uh, so it's great to see that we got uh, we got one of the one of the top guys, despite kind of our slow start with in-state recruiting. Love to see. Uh, kind of our, our strength continue to uh, fill, fill that pipeline, right? So it seems like the last 10 years, Michigan has really ridden that defensive line uh, and it continues to develop that very, very strong pipeline. So we have Chris Hinton, Stephen Heron, both these guys are fringe four or five stars in Mozzie's. And so our top three players within the, uh, within the class so far are all defensive linemen uh, to some degree. Now, the other guy I want to talk about is Zach Carbonet, running back from Westlake Village. Uh, an interesting thing about him is he is also kind of a high four-star player, 6'2", 215. Could be the feature back. He has all everything you need. Uh, first of all, a good head on his shoulders, which is something some of our highly talented running backs have lacked. Uh, it's got Derek the Green. speed. It's got the power. Maybe, maybe Derek Green lacked a little bit of character, and, and he's one that maybe got away, Sean. Exactly. I mean, we've, we've whiffed on two of the top five prospects, you know, they committed, but then nothing kind of transpired there. So excited to see these guys play uh, and, and hope, well, hope to see these guys play in a Michigan uniform. We know it's just because they committed does not mean they've signed. Uh, the only thing else I want to discuss is there's something actually really interesting going on in college recruiting at this point. Scouting services, whether that be 24-7 sports, ESPN, Rivals, et cetera, are actually spending a lot less time and seem to be just getting kind of lazy. And maybe because some are getting acquired and there's some consolidation in the industry. 
but there's less and less film, there's less and less data on these players in high school, and there's more film, more data on these folks who are going to camps. I actually think that gives us a competitive advantage. Uh, Harbaugh seems to identify a player he likes and is uh, evaluating those people irrespective and independent of uh, what these recruiting sites have to say. So as it gets harder and harder to rely on these sites, I think we actually are going to do better and better. So Harbaugh that is, the- is also really good at getting guys to go to camps that either he runs or that he attends, right? I think that's probably one of the biggest things that he happens to be really good at on the recruiting front. Yeah, absolutely. So awesome, awesome uh, kind of flurry of, of commitments. I am not kind of a diehard recruitment guy. You know, I want to see these guys get in the uniform and actually contribute. That being said, really cool to see six guys commit in, in three days and should should have even more to come actually in the next couple um, couple weeks. So For sure. excited about excited about football season. I guess that's good news in Chicago since whatever the polls were doing the last week or 10 days did not quite equate to World Cup success. So I apologize on behalf of the polls, but I'm glad at least things are looking up for you in Chicago, Sean. Yeah, the yeah, I will happily wear the dunce cap for the uh, that quagmire there. That being said, hey, I was I think I was the only guy who who stuck with my guns and said that Russia was going to ride the home crowd wave and uh, get get you're past very, uh, you're very the stage that. elimination. So. I think they could win it all at this point. It, it might they, <laughs> they might have already won it all weeks ago. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not totally sure. Um, but I do, I do want to start with, uh, with the NBA draft first, uh, Nick, uh, you and I got to watch a little bit of it here in New York, uh, Sean, I'm sure that you tuned in, in Chicago. Um, we'll start with the biggest news for us. Um, our beloved German, uh, Moritz Wagner, uh, of shame to see him go a year early, but really awesome to see him get drafted another first round pick under V-line. Uh, he will join the potential super team on the Lakers with LeBron and Paul George and maybe Westbrook and maybe Kawhi. I don't know. And Mo, um, Nick, we'll start with you. And Lonzo. And, and now Lonzo's not going to end and up. Kuz. No, I think a couple of those guys are going to go, but anyway, Nick, is that a good landing place for Mo? Um, he was able to play two games at the Staples center in the NCAA tournament, which was pretty awesome. Um, had one really great game, had one totally shitty game. Um, what do you think? Uh, is that a good fit and kind of how do you see him uh, fitting in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a team that is going to shake out here in the next few months. Um, sure. That will really dictate his future. Do you think he'll end up on the Lakers when all is done? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I hope he's not just trade bait or, you know, moved around the league kind of like Stauskas was. And, Stauskas and, has been all over yeah, the place. And Trey Burke and kind of, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I hope he, he stays there and develops and, For you know, sure. I feel like his first year he may be a two-way player. Yeah. Um, where he's going down to what are the defenders or I don't know some, Santa Cruz yeah, or something in California. With Manny nice. Harris, you know, where Manny Harris still puts up forty points a game and somehow can't make a roster. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I hope he does make it there. Nice. Sean, what do you think? Psyched up. I mean, awesome to see this guy uh get in the first round. John Beeline is actually leading the Big 10 and first round draft picks since 2013, which is an awesome stat. I mean, it seems like this was the year of John Beeline. Everything's going his way. And I love uh, that he's promoting it now, too. Oh, with yeah. Like the tweets yeah. and the videos. Hey, as John Beeline would tweet, as John Beeline would tweet, 
or as or as whatever that guy would say, another one. DJ Khaled. Yeah, Khaled. DJ, DJ Khaled. That yeah there you go. We're promoting Twitter DJ thing, Khaled. Whatever. Um, so awesome to see. Awesome to see another first-round pick from John Beeline and uh, beating out Tom Izzo for for that award of most first-round draft picks since 2013. Going back to Mo, really excited. I think that the Lakers are a young team. I think their coach, Bill, not Bill Walton. What's his first name? Luke. Luke. Luke Walton. Uh, is a good guy, good coach. Obviously, it's a you know top-tier program in the professional sport and and that, gm gm rob palinka who played on the fab five team with michigan so we have a little bit of michigan state blood with magic and a little bit of michigan blood with rob palinka that is a nice that is a nice little study throughout there I'm josh i learned you, something Sean. new today i'm here for you yeah i mean hey we'll see what happens the lakers are definitely in a position to make a lot of offseason moves it seems like mo wagner would be a guy that is a matchup nightmare He's a guy that you kind of want to see what happens because his upside could be so high. Uh, so really hope he stays with the Lakers. Um, just it was, it was awesome to see that happen. Uh, my girlfriend actually got a response from Mo Wagner. So oh wow, um, yeah. Go. So yeah, if um, he's in Chicago, maybe we'll uh, host a little shindig for him. I would love look if he wants to on hop this on roof. the pod. Mo, if you're listening, open invitation to come on. Um, no, I think it's a really good landing spot for him. Obviously, they were a young and rebuilding team last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what pieces come and what pieces go from L.A. Um, but the guy that, that I kind of see a potential role for him is a guy like uh, Clint Capella because Capella was actually able to get a ton of touches and, and make a big impact by being the fourth or fifth offensive option on the court. Um, you know, I don't know who LA is going to have, but if Mo is surrounded by three guys that are really good and he can kind of play pick and pop, uh, he can knock down his shots. He can play for 20 or 25 minutes a game, potentially off the bench. Um, that would be awesome. You know, he's going to be, do you think he's a Clint Capella? I think that he can be similar to Clint Capella in the fact that he's a center and he won't be the centerpiece of the offense. So he can get a lot of touches and opportunities because defenses aren't focusing on him. That's where the comparisons end. That's about I it. I watched a cooking okay. show with Clint Capella yesterday yeah. on ESPN, and that's when I realized ESPN sucked. Es- ESPN is, is totally bad. <laughs> it was literally like 20 minutes of yeah. Clint Capella cooking, and I was like, what is yeah. going on? No, it's true. This is a 30 for 30. I mean, Sean, I hate to make the, the white-to-white comparison, but no, he's more of a Frank Kaminsky. He's more of a uh, Kelly Olynyk type of guy, a guy that can step out and shoot, who, who isn't going to be, like I said, Kelly focal. Kelly Olynyk. Like that. That's a good comparison. Kelly Olynyk's a little dirty. Mo, Mo is passionate, but not necessarily dirty, and Olynyk's a little bit dirty. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how he does. Um, with that, just a few other questions about uh, the top of the NBA draft. So pretty pretty standard, DeAndre Aiden and Marvin Bagley, one and two. Uh, Luka Doncic, who I love, who I wanted for the Knicks, went three. Um, Sean, you made a really interesting point that Doncic and Trey Young will be linked as the two were traded for each other. Uh, Doncic ended up going to Dallas where he'll get to play with arguably the greatest international NBA player of all time, Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, Trey Young will be going to Atlanta where he can take 22 shots a game and no one's going to care. Um, and he will, and he will, and he probably will. Um, at six, Mo Bamba, I worry about him going to Orlando because Orlando just continues to be a dumpster fire. Uh, Wendell Carter, seven to the Bulls. Eight, 
Colin Sexton to the Cavs, and then nine. I, I do want to stop at nine because, Sean, you mentioned Kevin Knox. Uh, my beloved Knicks had a chance to pick Michael Porter Jr., or Nick, maybe it was you, and they passed on Michael Porter Jr. and picked a solid but unspectacular small ball for Kevin Knox. Nick, are my Knicks just doomed by picking just a really mediocre player again? Last year it was a French point guard that couldn't shoot. This year, it's a Kentucky four that can't really defend. Tell me, what do you think about Knox? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a dud of a pick, but <laughs> he could prove me wrong. I thought he was a dud of a pick in the in the uh, NCAA tournament, and he had a couple really good games. Yeah. And that definitely increases draft stock. For sure. Um, because he was the first Kentucky player taken, right? Yeah. And then Shea goes Alexander after him, or um, who else? Um. Yeah, Shea Gillis no, Alexander was it's Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail, but no, Mikhail Bridges was the that was not the other Kentucky player. Yeah, no, yeah, Gilles oh, Alexander me, was sorry. the second Kentucky player. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt went forty first, and Hamadou Diallo went forty fifth. So they yeah. spent a year in Kentucky. I mean, I didn't think I thought Shea Gillis Alexander was better than Kevin Knox when I watched really? him play. But oh yeah, okay. So maybe his game will transition better. Potent- potentially. So so what's like what what. Why is Kevin Knox a top 10 pick? I don't know. We're asking like he you. didn't yeah. seem anything amazing from what I saw, albeit briefly. Uh, the biggest takeaway I had was his head looked like a thumb. Um, <laughs> wow, okay. That's your best. Thing. But hey, hey, but we'll see what we'll see what happens with the Knicks. I am not if I as a betting man, I am shorting the Knicks in a big way. Nice. Um, welcome to the club. Yeah, but you know, going back to the to the draft pick, just recapping and kind of looking through who did what and yeah. why. A couple teams that I want to call out. First, the the Mavs. I mean, I think uh, Luka Doncic is the real deal. He is a a player that's going to contribute from day one. Uh, he's been playing against guys older than him since he was seven, um, and he's got that kind of prototypical shooting guard body that's six eight and, and pretty well built out uh is kind of a great floor general um great passer can is not a blow by or crazy athlete and i think that actually fits really really well into the maverick system given the fact that they have uh dennis smith jr who has a 48 inch vertical uh who's kind of their point guard so excited to see that backcourt think it's going to be really really strong um, moving quickly, Michael Porter Jr. fell to 14. I think the Nuggets are, were a really fun team to watch last year. They had a mix of youth and a little bit of experience and were a game away from, really five minutes away from uh, clinching the playoffs. Yep. They went to overtime against the Timberwolves at the Timberwolves. So excited to see that that team uh, kind of come together. Um, Two other guys that I just want to touch on really quickly, Aaron Holiday, uh, the UCLA guard yeah. who we actually faced up against many moons ago. He's interesting. He's going to the Pacers. Victor Oladipo will be kind of the the, the Batman there, and Aaron Holiday could be a nice little piece. Really strong defender, nice wingspan, and at six six seven wingspan for a six one frame. So I think he's actually going to be a really good fit there. Last guy I want to touch on though. Uh, is Robert Williams. So we also yeah. played him, Texas A&M. Uh, he is a jumpy, really kind of a prototypical five in, in the NBA. He has range. He has athleticism. He's a rim protector. He can get up and slam it down. 
I think he was kind of victim to just a bad offense and a in kind of he was an oversized four playing in in uh, in the Texas A&M offense and wasn't able to showcase his athleticism um, as a five. So he's going to the Celtics. I think that's going to be a really really good pick for them. Uh, the knock on Robert Williams, I think, is twofold. One is a little bit of lack of maturity, and, and two would be his offensive playmaking abilities. Uh, the Celtics, you can't question anything Danny Age or Brad Stevens does. I think he's going to get this guy into shape. Uh, and two, I don't think there's going to be a, a dearth of offensive uh, playmakers on that team. So really excited to see how he put, fits in at the number 27 pick. Anybody else, Nikki, that you really like that kind of caught your eye in the draft? Um, no, I think, I think the Doncic, uh, Trey Young thing will be interesting. I think that that's kind of the one, like we were saying to keep an eye on because Trey Young definitely has the ability to be a great player in the NBA, but I think Doncic has the abilities to be kind of, you know, he could be the, another transcendent kind of player from Europe. And it'll be interesting to see if the trade up for him and trade down away from him will pay off. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out a few second round picks. Um, my Knicks actually, I think, kind of got it right with their second round pick. They picked Mitchell Robinson, who uh, never played for Western Kentucky. Um, he was a top 10 talent who never got on the court um, at the 36th pick. That's totally worth a gamble. If he doesn't pay off, then I don't know. You're stuck paying Joe Kim Noah's Albatross contract for another two years. If he does pay off, then you struck gold at 36. Um, going along with your Nuggets pick, so they got Porter Jr., but they also got Justin Jackson from Maryland. Um, I think he left a year too early, but he's a really rangy forward. He's six seven. He can shoot. He was injured at the tail end of last year. Um, I really like him. I really like his game. I think he could be awesome. Uh, Chemezi Metu from USC. So he's a head case. It, it's known, but he's going to the Spurs. So um, – I think I think the fact that he's going to a team where uh, he can at least develop um, and have a guy like Pop kind of mentor him is going to be awesome. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention two, I guess three Big Ten guys toward the end of the second round. Uh, the first being Kata Bates, the op to the T Wolves. Um, they obviously, we'll see a minute. yeah, they have they have a ton of wings. Um, you know, uh, Hoy, uh, not Hoiberg. Thibodeau likes guys that can defend. Uh, Bates Diop is a guy that definitely can defend. Uh, he was awesome for Ohio State last year. I think he could crack the rotation toward the end. Uh, Tony Carr for the Pelicans. Um, I love Tony Carr. I think if he I love waited, Tony Carr. waited one more year, he would have been a top 15, top 20 pick. Um, I think he left a little bit early, but he's got awesome size. Um, if Rondo stays, he'll be the backup to Rondo, depending on what New Orleans does. Uh, and then Vince Edwards is going to the Jazz. Um Edwards is really good. The knock on Vince Edwards is that he was a senior, to be honest, and NBA yeah. guys hate that. Um, if he's somehow able to uh, carve out a niche role along with uh, Ted Cruz lookalike, Grayson Allen, the two of them will be heading over to Utah. Um, I think I think they could form a really nice young core. I think Quinn Snyder does an awesome job with Utah, so it'll be really fascinating to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, Nick, uh, Josh, I kind of want to push back on the kid at bait, or both you guys. I push. think Diop could get a little – he could – he could fill in for the uh, Taj Gibson role. I mean, they're both rangy guys. Taj Gibson uh, plays more of a four, and Bates the Ops more of a three. So I'm going to push back your pushback here, Sean. Well, well, here's the thing. He's listed as a three, but he has the same comps as Taj Gibson, minus 10 pounds, which he can easily add. So is he actually six Taj nine? Gibson is, yeah, Taj, Taj, and he's got a really nice wingspan. So 
I see him as yeah. kind of the, the next Taj. Sean, I think your word of the day is, is wingspan. I'm going to slap that on your forehead the next time I see you. And just call hey, you. So, well, hey, if, I, if we're talking about wingspan, then we got to bring up Mo Bamba, who is a 7-foot, 10-inch wingspan. Yeah, but can he shoot? Can he do anything but dunk and block? I'm not sure. Not sure. And you know, what, you know what the best part is? We definitely won't find out in Orlando. So yeah. <laughs> luck, luck, lucky for him. Um yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting draft. Obviously, it's one of those things that people like to judge after a year. I think it's better to look at how a guy does over the course of five or seven years, um, especially like Trey Burke kind of coming back into the league. But let's move on to the World Cup. Um, we have a lot. We have a lot going on. Um, I want to start with Group A, uh, where it's Uruguay and Oil Money. Um, Uruguay managed to go unscathed in the group. Five goals scored, no goals allowed. They'll finish first. Um, Russia finishes second. Um, so, and then we'll move on to Group B. So at least we can talk about the matchups for Group A and Group B. So because of Nick and Sean, both you guys, I kind of went down a little bit of a gambling rabbit hole. So Welcome. my pick was for Spain to win and for Uruguay to make the quarterfinals. Now, if Spain didn't finish top of group, Spain and Uruguay would have played each other in the round of 16. So with Five minutes to go. Uh, Iago Aspas scores for Spain to make it 2-2 after Morocco takes the lead. So now Spain is tied 2-2 and Portugal is winning 1-0 over Iran. If Portugal wins, sees them go top of group. Iran gets a penalty in the 93rd minute and converts it. And then in the 95th minute has a point blank shot in front of goal in the six and they miss. Had Iran scored that goal, they win the group. They knock out Portugal. All is saved. In the end, Spain finishes top of Group B with five points and six goals scored. Portugal finishes second, five points, five goals scored. We have Uruguay against uh, Portugal and Spain against uh, Russia. Russia. Sean, did you watch any of this today? What do you think? Who do you like of those four going forward? I liked how Uruguay put all the pieces together today. They kind of slotted out and had not the not the prettiest of, of wins in their first two matches. Yeah. Thought that they looked wholly dominant today. Um, and with their uh, their offensive attack, they look like a very complete team and a team that's been there, done that before. That I kind of like over Portugal. Um, one one of my biggest takeaways today, though, was VAR. Uh, it seems like no professional sports, no college sports has really gotten video replay right. It slows down the game, it's arbitrary, and it, and it affects the outcomes, right? So if we look back to, to Josh, I know you're happy to see, uh, you know, your bet's still intact. Yeah. But, right. It was, it was a, t- it was a, there was a handball in what, the 90th minute. Uh, from Portugal, which yeah. they went to VAR and decided that it was confirmed. But I'm watching these games, and sometimes it looks so clear that there's a penalty and it's not called, and I don't understand the system, uh, and I don't like the fact that it's kind of affecting these games the way it is. Uh, hopefully they uh, course correct throughout the kind of elimination games, and it's incredibly important. Uh, another team that was not advancing, but I really liked was Iran. They showed heart. Uh, and they hung in there against Spain, and they hung in there against Portugal. Yeah. So 
uh, was really happy to see kind of what what they did. Uh, and all credit to them. Uh, after the game, I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but the emotion from the fans and the players was a second to none. Uh, and despite what's going on kind of internationally, I definitely felt for those guys. Um, and that's kind of the, I think for me, that's my favorite part about the World Cup is, is seeing that emotion and seeing that, uh, that on their sleeves. Uh, and it kind of takes, it, you know, it's more than just sports. So those are my takeaways. I like Uruguay. And Spain, I think it's going to have a cakewalk against Russia. Okay, so you, so you're taking, you're taking Uruguay and Spain to both make the quarterfinals. I'm putting you on the spot here again. Correct. All right. Correct. Nikki, what do you uh, think about Ambi? I'm, I'm in on that as well. I think that's what I had predicted, and everything's gone uh, pretty, pretty standard. Uh, I'll push back on Sean. I think the VAR, uh, if you are, if you do have to have replay, and I think you now are at the stage where you do. They're getting it right in terms of speed. Definitely. That's been the biggest thing compared to other American sports. Compared to other American sports, it doesn't slow the game down at all. It's almost better and more part of the game already than replay is in any American sport. I totally agree. They make the decision. They go. They make the decision. It's done. They come back. It's almost like he didn't stop jogging. Yeah, exactly. It's great. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So I think if there are replay. Yeah, good point. That is how it's done. It is fast. It, it is fast, but the, the use back. of it, the use of it seems inconsistent. I think that that'll come with refing and actually getting it and seeing it, and it'll become you know second instinct where they're not gonna call it. They're gonna they're gonna call it and then go back rather than not call it. Sure. And that's just gonna become part of the game, and we're just gonna, they're gonna have to start enforcing flopping more and things like that. Yeah, but there's so much flopping going on that, like, when do you call it, when don't you? But I do I do have to give you guys that it is fast when they make those calls. It is not consternating over a call. The worst about college football, you know, at least that we saw, was, you know, they spend 10 minutes looking at a call to see if it's indisputable or not. By virtue of spending that much time, it can't be indisputable, yet they rule that it is. So uh, don't we'll, we'll bring that up in fall. But um, no, I agree with you. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a little bit of what I said back. Moving on, we're, we're going to look at Group C and Group D. So in Group C, uh, France has won both of their games by one goal each. I wouldn't say necessarily convincing. Uh, Denmark is in second place with four points. Uh, they beat Peru by one goal and then tied Australia. Uh, Australia has one point and has two penalties. They have not scored from any sort of open play. Uh, and Peru, the beloved Peruvians in New York, unfortunately, are eliminated. Uh, in Group D, we have Croatia, who, as as Nick so eloquently eloquently puts it, shit pumped Argentina in their last game. Uh, Nigeria ran rampant over Iceland. Uh, Ahmed Musa was way too much down the left flank, way too much speed. Uh, Iceland are still clinging to their tie against Argentina, and same for Argentina. Uh, Nick. Group C, Group D, who do you think goes through? Uh, and then how do you see those two, uh, A and B, playing each other? Uh, yeah, so I think France will get another win. Over Denmark? By one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that Australia will score enough goals to overcome and get to four points, even if they do beat Peru. So it just, just a quick qualifier. If Australia wins... They and Denmark loses. 
and Denmark doesn't score and Australia does score, then Australia goes through. So Denmark has to score. Denmark has to score. Interesting. Denmark needs Denmark needs one goal. We know France has been beatable. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think I don't know. That'll be interesting. You think Australia beats Peru? I, I think they will beat them. They've Australia beats Peru, and then it comes down to Denmark getting a result against France. Exactly. Does Denmark get a result against France? Uh, in terms of scoring goals, a result. Do they tie? Do they score a goal? I think they Does move Denmark on. Make it I through? think they move on. They find a way to get through. Yes. Okay. So I won't. I'll take it back that France wins. But okay. I think those are the two teams that go through, and then I think they. I think they both could lose, honestly. But so who do you like going through Group D? Croatia. Croatia. Croatia winning the group. Yeah, Croatia winning the group. They'll probably beat and Iceland. Is that your? Is that where you're going to go? Yeah, with? they're yeah. going to beat Iceland. And I would really, really like to see Argentina go through, just because I think it would be fun to see these teams, this team that's you know coached by their players now, not by their manager. They're sending out their own lineup. It would be awesome to see them just throw everyone forward from the start. And just try to start scoring goals and goals and goals. Sure. They have to. Sure. If Croatia beats Iceland and Argentina beats Nigeria by the skin of their teeth, Argentina's through, no questions asked, no tiebreaker, no nothing. Um, I'm Sean, I'm going to let you go, and then I'm going to make a prediction afterward. Group C and Group D, who do you think goes through? Has anybody impressed you in those two groups so far? Paul Pogba, man. I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy, but the way that he can – place the ball was unbelievable uh that one goal i don't know if it's a first or second goal but i was watching that game last week and he just put that thing on a rope i mean john o'corn can't throw a football as well as paul pogba can kick a soccer ball i agree with that. Uh, and it was and it was unbelievable to see that happen uh i mean the other guy for france that i thought was really impressive was, was Mbambe. i'm not sure the correct Mbappe. pronunciation Bobby, the 19-year-old. I mean, good God. So those guys are looking. Or those guys are looking strong. I I think France and Denmark will both advance. Uh, Peru played two great games against both Denmark and France, yeah. but have had zero goals, zero points. Australia isn't the strongest team, so whether it be a combination of Australia and Peru tying or Denmark and France tying, uh, I see Denmark squeaking through somehow. Denmark has has looked strong, and I actually think that they could be. Uh, they could upset France, who maybe um, may not have that hunger that that we were always fearing about. Uh, Group D, Croatia looks like could be the team to beat. Sure. I mean, they they looked really really strong. Yeah, uh, so I think that they're going to be they're going to win. Uh, Group D, I I actually kind of hope Argentina gets eliminated. I don't know. I just kind of want to see uh, an upset, and I want to see an African team advance. Nick, tell me more about this whole uh, this whole rise against. What's going on? I I have not I'm not privy to uh, to the, the players uh, taking it for themselves. Yeah. So Sean is is mentioning the fact that uh, Jorge Sampaoli, who who I tweeted, looks like the guy who goes to the club with his friends and requests a table when they don't need to. He's he's a really bizarre looking guy. Uh, he put together a totally shitty formation and players out uh, in their game against Croatia, and it showed. Um, so, yeah, Messi is essentially Nick. You were telling me yeah. pseudo coaching the game against Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what did you what did you hear? Yeah, I think they're gonna put their own player lineup out, and he's just gonna kind of sit on the bench, wow, and not do too much. And they're gonna make the changes and things like that. So we'll see how it plays out. But that's kind of what I heard is is actually gonna happen. 
interesting. So I really hope we get an interesting game. I mean, yeah, interesting scoring-wise. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly go out on a limb and say that France and Denmark draw tomorrow. Um, I think the Danes, when they need a result, are super good. I think Denmark gets through. France wins the group. Uh, I think Croatia could beat Iceland by three or four goals. I think the Icelandic, unfortunately, I, I think they've lost hope. Um, they're a really tough and, and resolute nation, but I, I think Croatia is, is just clicking. Um, I think Nigeria find a way to get through against Argentina. I don't know whether they're going to win or whether they're going to draw, but I feel like a guy like Ahmed Musa and a guy like John Obi Mikel, who have been, I think, really good so far, um, I think that they find a way uh, to do just enough against Argentina. I think the Argentinians dug themselves in too deep of a hole, um, and I think Nigeria makes them pay for it. Um, we'll move on to Group E, uh, a, a extremely wild group for the top three teams. So Brazil uh, managed to score two goals in injury time against Costa Rica. Uh, Costa Rica team that, for those that don't know, beat the U.S. on aggregate 6-0 in qualifying. Uh, so that's fucking embarrassing. Um and Switzerland, uh, Knicks guy, Xhaka, scored a wonder strike in the oh, yeah. 50 Laser. second minute. Wonder strike. And then, uh, and then Shakiri uh, managed to put one in the 90th minute, put the ball in the net, shirt came off, the whole nine Beautiful. yards. Uh, Switzerland is, has four points. Brazil has four. Serbia has three based on their win over Costa Rica. Uh, so it's Serbia, Brazil, and Switzerland and Costa Rica in the final group stage game. Uh in Group F, Mexico. Uh, oh man, Mexico is playing. They're playing at a great level. They they totally dominated Germany from start to finish. Uh, they did enough against uh, against South Korea. Uh, Son had an awesome goal. Unfortunately, it was too late. Uh, and Germany arguably had the goal of the tournament because if they don't score, they are pretty much eliminated. Uh, Tony Cruz with an absolute beaut to beat Sweden 2-1 after the Swedes almost played a perfect game. Uh, Mexico has six points and just needs any result against Sweden to win the group. Uh, Germany, if Germany wins, um, they'll definitely finish. Oh, no. Actually, I don't I don't know. Germany has three points. Sweden has three points. Mexico is six. No team has advanced of those three. South Korea also has zero and technically is not eliminated. Um, is going to make for a wild last day. Uh, those games are on Wednesday. Sean, starting with you, Group E, Group F, who's impressed you? Who goes through? Switzerland's impressed me. Uh, I watched the Serbia-Switzerland game, uh, almost the entire entirety of it. Came out, Serbia scored a goal within the first 10 minutes, uh, but by kind of by halftime, uh, the tables were turning, at least from what I saw. Uh, Switzerland looked incredibly fit. Uh, Serbia's legs were just so visibly heavy um, as they kind of started the second half of the uh, of the match. And because of that, I thought that Switzerland looked really impressive. Uh, the 2-1 victory, it looked a lot more like a 3-1 or 4-1. Switzerland had a ton more chances in the second half, so was really impressed with them. Uh, they seem like they are are in, in great shape, you know, top to bottom. Um, Brazil, they scored two goals in extra time. Um, as you mentioned, Josh, that looked like it was going to be a 0-0 tie. They're in Costa Rica. Not, if you watch them play at the last World Cup, that's how they play. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, they made it. They made a nice little run in the last World Cup, right? They, they made it to the quarterfinals. They were a penalty shootout away from the semis. 
holy cow. So, um, I guess, I guess it, I was uh, undervaluing Costa Rica a little bit, but Brazil did not look incredibly impressive there. Maybe it was just because Costa Rica is used to just having that clamp down defense in the back. Uh, moving to Group F, I agree, Josh, that was the goal of the tournament so far, especially because of uh, the repercussions associated with, with that. Uh, and the fact down. that Germany was playing with 10 men that I forgot to mention, too. Oh my gosh! I didn't even know that. Who uh, who got out and why? Um, Jerome Boateng picked up two stupid yellow cards because that's what defenders do. Uh, they they find a way to to get themselves uh, off the field. So Bo- Boateng was off for the last ten minutes, and you would never have known that watching the game. Gotta gotta love it. Um, in Mexico, I mean, they're taking care of business. So I expect uh, Brazil. Switzerland, Mexico, and Germany to uh, to move forward. Brazil taking the the one spot, Switzerland two, and then in Group F, Mexico one, Germany two. So just so you know what you're saying, if those results hold, you get Brazil and Germany in the round of sixteen. Yeah. All right. I don't see it. I don't really see it going another way. I don't either. But I'm just asking, Nikki. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I agree with exactly what Sean's saying. As I feel like I'm. I've been saying a lot this uh, this episode, um, but no, yeah, I think it's been I think Switzerland it's is chalk playing. Now. What? It's like chalk at this point, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think Switzerland is playing really well, um, and I believe that game when they came back uh, against Serbia is the only comeback win so far of the World Cup. Um, I'm not sure. That's I, a great point, Nick. I think it is. Um, should get a sponsor for that. Wow. <laughs> And well, no, oh, Switzerland, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll check the numbers. On yeah, that. interesting. I think it is. And I think that matchup with Mexico um, will be a really good game because they both counterattack really well and they play similar styles of soccer. Um, so, yeah, it, that'll be a fun game. Um, as well as the Brazil Germany matchup. Yeah, that... where I don't think it's going to be a seven to uh, what is it, seven to one? That was insane. Seven one. Yeah, seven, I don't one. think it'll be that again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with both you guys. Brazil won, Switzerland two, Mexico won, Germany two. Um, I think Mexico has the players and is playing well enough, especially if they're able to get through Sweden, um, that they can uh, that they can beat Switzerland. Uh, Mexico's best ever result um, is, uh, is the quarterfinals, um, and they haven't made the quarterfinals since 1986. Um, so... Yeah, it'll be really, really, really interesting uh, to see um, what happens there. Um, we'll absolutely be talking about those matches next week. Um, Nick, we have a really interesting conundrum yeah. in Group G. Uh, can you fill the people in on kind of a little bit of, of what's been going on behind the scenes with England and Belgium after uh, both oh, boy. Tunisia and Panama to start? Nick? Yeah, absolutely. What's so up? I think Group G has the most interesting matchup in terms of both the, I mean, we know who's going through, yep. um, but this will be where FIFA, the governing body, will see how they work yep. as a unit because um, both these teams are exactly even on goal scored, goal differential. So if these teams tie, um, it'll come down to fair play points yep. on who moves on. And right now, I think England has three yellow cards and Belgium has two or something like that. I think and, it's the other way around. Or the other, I think England has two yellow cards and Belgium has three. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure. Um, but but basically, what's interesting about that is that right now the way it, it if it if it all plays out the way we were talking about it, then the upper half of the bracket would be a much harder way to get to the semifinals. Um, so yeah. that would be the actually loser of the second place person in their in group D. Yeah. So it's almost going to be a bloodbath in terms of if if neither team go for the win here and go for the go for the group, which I think is always a great strategy. You just yeah. Keep winning. <laughs> Um, cause you're going to have to play good teams anyway, but we could just see a bloodbath of a lot of players that are on the bench and we don't get a lot of stars. And these players are just playing a rough game and fouling each other and trying to get crew these points in a negative way. So just to, just to follow up on Nick's point for a quick second to break down what that bottom half of the bracket actually looks like. So Spain and Russia are locked in, um, as the top part of the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, then it would be cro- likely Croatia and Denmark um then it would be Mexico and Switzerland um and then it would be the loser whoever finishes second in group G which is England and Belgium and then the winner of group H which would either be Colombia or Senegal or Japan the point is you avoid France you avoid Germany you avoid Brazil they are nowhere near your half of the bracket. So Nick is totally right that there is some kind of crazy collusion going on because the, the runner up the, the runner up in group G would be favored until the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And then they play Spain. And, and as we've seen so far, Spain has one win in two draws and has looked beatable. Um, Sean, take us home on group G and group H. What do you think? Uh, and then I want to ask your predictions too, even with all the collusion going on. Yeah. John? All right. Well, sorry, guys. I was on mute. I was on mute. <laughs> I was just trying to be respectful. <laughs> technical difficulties. Exactly. Go ahead, Sean. Well, technical we'll, we'll difficulties. Yeah, we'll, yeah, I don't think we can. Excited. Excited about both England and Belgium. Seems like it's going to be an interesting event. Uh, Harry Kane seems like, I mean, he's he's in, uh, he scored the most goals of any other player. And I didn't even know about him until previewing the world cup so excited to, to kind of see him not not a soccer guy we'll get you there not a soccer guy hey you didn't know about mozzie smith so we'll That's we true. all have our strengths and weaknesses so yeah so i'm i'm i started the start of the podcast i was saying i'm not that excited about england because they always seem to disappoint but this england team's team seems different because they're youth so excited about what they could have in store. The other team that I really like is Japan. I mean, uh, in Group H, they were not predicted to do very well. I am a quarter Japanese and uh, always love to root for them because my uh, other ethnicity is Indian and Indians aren't very good at uh, most sports. So those are my two cents. Wow. So who so who goes so who goes through who wins group G second who wins group H second Sean Belgium wins England advances of course and then who is the matchup it's what Japan versus Japan plays Poland and Senegal plays Colombia Senegal ooh I'm gonna go with Colombia wins Senegal gets second because of point differentials right um that would mean that poland would have to beat japan worse than colombia would beat senegal 
I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm just telling you how, how the breakdown works. Uh, it's too late. Nikki, it's too late in the day. I know. I'll, I may I may tweet out ours, or maybe you you go with your prediction, Josh, and maybe I'll uh, I'll for have sure. Um, I'm gonna say that Belgium rest their players, and and Gareth Southgate wants to continue to sustain momentum. Uh, I think England could beat Belgium two or three nil, depending on who Belgium puts on the field. Um, it would be extremely classic England to win the group have a pretty straightforward game in the round of 16 and then they would play the winner of Brazil and Germany in the quarterfinals. Um, that's where I see the road ending for England. I think I'm going to go England one, Belgium two. Um, the Brits always find a way to fuck it up. And I would almost go as far as to say that England will lose to Germany on penalty kicks. In the well, no, if they lose, if they come in second, they would. No, England's going to win the group. Oh, they, you're, they're going to beat Belgium. I think they'll won. beat Belgium. I think Belgium rests a ton of starters. Gotcha. I'm hearing a lot of yeah. injury, um, air quotes, injuries to Lukaku, yeah. Hazard, I, I guys that have little you. knocks. I, I think England continues the momentum and wins. You agree? Yeah, I completely agree. I think England has to continue their momentum yeah. because they're too young. They're too yeah, experienced. And, and I think it. They will win their first game. Um, and yeah. yeah, they're gonna they're gonna lose to Brazil. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah. almost it's almost fate. And I think it's fate. Belgium. Yeah. Uh, does kind of the, I don't know, the the Bush League move yeah. and rest their players and um, kind of make it a grudge match. And they either tie the game and have yellow cards accumulate to come in second, or they end up losing the game on, I don't know, like a, a, a PK that they maybe might might have not wanted to give up, but maybe they were okay with a little right. you know, stoppage time PK to lose by one. Exactly. So, uh, We'll see what happens with that, and then and then Group H. How yeah. do you see that playing out? I think Colombia wins. Yeah, against I think Senegal. Colombia, I do too. And I think Japan gets a point and moves yeah. on um, in second. I think Japan's played really well. Uh, we watched the second half of that game. Yeah, uh, I guess we watched the whole game, but but most most of the second half, and they're a composed team. They are. Um, I think they got really lucky with the fact that they got to play the best team in the group down a man for 90 minutes. I think Absolutely. that was extremely fortuitous, and, and it's completely taken And that's what we were talking about, is we were like, oh, this game could go, you know, the Columbia team, we were like, man, they, they struggled to get goals. And then we realized, well, no, it's because they played 10 men. Yeah, for 90 the, minutes. The whole game. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Agreed. Columbia looked good yesterday. I think they advance, and yeah. Japan follows behind them. I agree. Um, I'd also like to give a special Japanese shout-out to Keisuke Honda, who is still grinding, came on for Japan as a sub. Uh and scored an extremely important goal uh, for Japan to get a point uh, out of the Senegal game. Sean, final predictions? I'm picking the upset. I'm picking Senegal. Senegal. Maybe it was just because Poland's wow. riding Lewandowski too much, but Senegal looked really, really strong against Poland. And I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm going to predict the upset. Wow. And what about Japan and Poland? Japan wins. Wow. Poland's okay. out. They packed their bags. Poland's already done. Yeah, so you so, have yeah. you have Japan and Senegal. Japan and Senegal. I have Japan and Senegal. And then, interestingly, for Japan and Senegal, it won't matter because neither team, is, I don't think, will beat England or Belgium. But whoever beats, if yours is correct, whoever wins the game by more goals uh, ultimately will win the group uh, because they're even on goal scored and goal difference. It could come down to fair play. To be yeah, honest, it could. could be crazy. So what happens if fair play uh, tied, I mean, which I didn't even 
Yeah, the fair play tiebreaker is really it'd, bizarre. It'd be a coin flip. It's uh, it, oh, if fair play is tied, it comes down to a coin flip, which is archaic. But welcome to 2018 in FIFA. This is how we deal with things. Yeah. So I think there's five points. You get five minus five points for a red card, minus three points for two yellows to get a red card, and then a point for every yellow. Yellow. Yep. I think you're right. Yeah. Got it. And Columbia already have a red card, so they're uh, they're out. If <laughs> fair play came down to it. Um. Yeah, Columbia. No, yeah, Columbia needs to win. They need to win. Yeah. Columbia needs to win. I think they will. Um. I think. I think that's it. Um. We are going to try to come back uh, next Sunday or Monday. We, Just a quick recap before knockouts, yeah. or I don't know. I mean, so for those that are listening, the round of sixteen next. Uh. No, this week is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, maybe it makes sense for us to come back on Tuesday. Before maybe quarters. we'll come back Tuesday night before the quarters. Uh, we'll do a full breakdown and we'll try to make sense of it. If not, we'll come back on Monday. We might be busy on Tuesday. Um, but man, there's a lot of awesome soccer going on. Um, things, things are good. Uh, Sean, any other random Michigan thing to plug before we get out of here? I I have not seen any new uh, new Michigan stuff. It's been it's been a slow period. Wow. So other than the recruits, wow. that's all I got for you. Right. Uh, oh, one other thing. Yeah. Ace Ace Bender, If any of you guys are familiar with him, he is kind of freaking out on Twitter right now. Uh, so go and go and check that out if you guys want to see someone meltdown on social media. Sure. Why? We'll have to look. It's a good, it's a good Check teaser. Check it out. It's a good teaser. Check it out. Um, all right. So we'll absolutely take a look at that. Um, and then next week, um, as has become a segment that I like, we'll do a little talk in tennis. Uh, Wimbledon is just about starting, and I'm absolutely going to put some money on Wimbledon because tis the season. Uh, I like I like Sam Query. I texted Nick about this today. Uh, according to the, the bookies that I saw, I saw 200 to 1. He made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon two years ago. He made the semis last year. He just got married. Uh, I think a married man is a happy man, especially a newly married man. Query did not play great on the clay, never plays great on the clay, but always plays great on on grass. If his odds are anywhere between 150 or 200 to 1, and you have a guy that made the semifinals at that tournament last year, five bucks couldn't hurt. Five bucks could turn into 1,000. No, no. Uh, Sean, so we're coming for your book. Be ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, who's the odds on favorite? Uh, it's Federer, but, you know, Federer, Federer hasn't played a ton this year, and he just got upset in the finals uh, against a young Croatian. So shout out to Croatia for doing well in, uh, in all the exciting uh, country club sports. And it's a beautiful state. Croatia's a country, sweetheart. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I meant. You know what I meant. We'll cut that out. With that... With that, Josh uh, Nick Margolis, and geographically challenged John Saint signing off. With a long wingspan. With a long wingspan. So they fit me kind of snug Plus the game is in my pocket, nigga This is what I do I'm about whatever, man Fuck what they be talking about They opinion doesn't count We the only thing that matters all So we do it